Okay, hello, and welcome to a special episode of Innovations in Education, the podcast that delves into the ever-evolving world of education technology and its impact on today's schools. I'm your host, Kevin Hogan, and today we have a fascinating conversation lined up for you, brought to you exclusively by McGraw-Hill. McGraw-Hill is a leading global education company working to expand the possibilities of content and technology to help millions of educators, learners, and professionals around the world achieve success. Their career and technical education programs support K-12 students in transforming their interests into viable careers. In this episode today, I had the pleasure to talk with Pat Keeney. He is the lead responsible for the K-12 career education portfolio at McGraw-Hill. As a strategic design expert, Pat has helped numerous organizations develop programs that locally, regionally, and globally serve the educational needs of schools and communities. Pat's efforts have helped organizations like NASA, Stride, which was formerly K-12, and now McGraw-Hill connect with teachers and students to deliver outstanding, highly effective educational experiences. His team shares and help creating best-in-class print and digital products that promote strong student achievement and support teachers. He is the father of two successful adult children, one a millennial and the other a Gen Xer, who continue to follow their own paths of fulfillment. And Pat resides in Palm Coast, Florida. So join us as we dive deep into the world of CTE, unraveling the mysteries behind the acronyms, and discovering how it's not just about preparing for a single job, but building a lifelong journey through diverse careers. From practical experiences in the classroom to the ever-expanding scope of CTE, we'll explore it all, along with how teachers and students are embracing the power of soft skills, which are essential in the 21st century workforce. Have a listen. Okay, Pat. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it and looking forward to the conversation. Billy, my pleasure. Let's get started. As as we both know, education is one of those verticals that is just filled with acronyms, right? A day doesn't go by, which another one doesn't seem to kind of creep up. One of the most kind of long-lasting and, and famous, of course, is CTE. Uh, I would go to events and we would talk about CTE and I would nod my head sagely thinking I know exactly what that is or pretending to know what it is, but then would kind of come back and, and be confused about how it kind of fit into the overall architecture of, of schools and specifically public schools and, and school districts and, and what CTE means. A lot of people will say, oh, well, that's what we used to call VOTEC. As you uh, kind of go out and, and do some explorations, it's a lot more. So maybe I mean, from your perspective, it might be best to talk about where your point of view is, your POV when it comes to CTE. <laughs> sure. Well, um, I have, first, we have to thank the NFL for making CTE popular on a different front <laughs> um, where uh, you can't, uh, today you can't Google CTE and come up with a, a, a clean search in that regard. But CTE is essentially career preparation. It's all the sum total of all the educational experiences the student has that helps prepare them for not just their first job, but for the entire journey through however many jobs and however many careers they may take part in as they go through life. It takes a form that's a little different than what we're used to when we think about an area of education like math or science. Because when we think about math, 
in general, we think about the math courses that a student will take. With career exploration or CTE, uh, career education, really the curriculum is the starting point. There are co-curricular organizations like SkillsUSA, DECA, FFA. There are a bunch of them. They're outstanding organizations that help students explore different areas um, whereby when there's a chapter at a school, the student can be involved and they can put to work the things that they've learned in a classroom. So they get very practical experience with them. There is uh, certainly the opportunity for work-based learning experiences where students might do anything from job shadowing to a full-on internship. And probably the most notable thing is these are all experiences that we would expect out of a college education. We would have expected many, many years ago this to be the Votech experience, especially for things that are in the trades. Today, the big difference is that there are so many jobs that are available that are middle to high wage, outstanding job opportunities, where you don't need a college, a four-year college degree at least, maybe just an associate's degree, maybe a credential or certificate. So a high school diploma plus is the gateway, or at least the minimum gateway today, to being able to, to enter into some of these middle and high wage jobs. And exploring one's career aspirations can start at any point. I mean, it happens informally when somebody's growing up and uh, they go to the doctors and they see what a doctor does. Everybody knows what a teacher does. Uh, it seems today students know what uh, influencers are, right? So, so there are certain or, uh, jobs that, or occupations that organically students begin to understand, but understanding the whole universe of what's out there, and most of all, understanding how they fit into it, that search for identity is really what I think career education is about. And would you say that it has become more expansive too? I mean, because again, traditionally, you think of CTE slash Votech slash shop class, where it was maybe trades oriented. When I go in and I look at the portfolio of, of, of products that McGraw-Hill has, you're looking at entrepreneurship, you're looking at marketing. I mean, these, these are uh, you know business concepts that maybe might be more associated with an MBA versus CTE, right? I mean, so talk about how that's kind of expanded. Sure. Um, it's been an interesting evolution. Uh, if, if you go back again to the Votech days, students were being prepared then for trades-oriented jobs that were very hands-on, certainly did not require a, a college diploma. All they required were a high school degree to go and uh, work on cars, be a cosmetologist, things of that nature. And I, you know, I think for the most part, that's, that's still true. There there's so many more jobs today, though, that don't require a college degree that I, th I think the scope of career education has necessarily broadened. And if you add to that the fact that not just from the student standpoint, but from the societal standpoint, we have these opportunities that are they're not just nice to haves where we hope that students can enter into them and then have a high quality life for themselves and for their family. The flip side of it is that our society runs off of a certain number of people who can perform marketing functions, who can perform entrepreneurial fu functions, who can perform manufacturing functions, and so on. And we're, we've entered into an unprecedented time over the past 10 years of workforce shortages, none highlighted more, by the way, no period of time highlighted more than during the COVID period, where not only did you have jobs that have continued to go unfilled, especially in the service sector. 
Uh, but in addition to that, this phenomena that I see described lots of different ways called quiet quitting. Today, there is a huge workforce need. And uh, I think it's a great opportunity uh, for uh, for students who are, are growing up today and for teachers, by the way, because now teachers can bring a lot of practical experiences to bear that students can can relate to. I used to be a physics teacher a long, long time ago. Bringing physics to the everyday experience is really difficult. But whenever you're talking about, you know, living in today's world and talking about what people do whenever they go to work, I think I think that really hits home. And I think, again, that speaks back to helping the student build an identity. They figure out what they like, what they don't like, where they might fit in, and uh, they start to see themselves in a 5, 10, 15-year horizon. And so it's very helpful. So the short answer, Kevin, I think to your question is there's just such a broad set of opportunities that are open to students today. And we want to make sure that students know about those opportunities and prepared to take advantage of them. Yeah. Uh, another perception, at least from from where I sit, is that CTE is something that occurred at the at the secondary level, that once the kids got into high school, uh, you started to set them up on career paths, which undoubtedly is true. And one interesting thing I noticed from the portfolio of materials that McGraw-Hill offers is that there's a whole curriculum for middle school, which seems, you know, if you're talking about fifth grade, I mean, that's a whole set younger. Maybe you could talk about, is that part of that evolution that we're talking about, or is this just something that has always been there, but just I haven't noticed. I, no, I think it is part of that evolution. And in order to understand that piece, let's go to the other end of the spectrum, which is thinking about the 10th, 11th, 12th grade experience, because I think success in 10th, 11th, and 12th grade for decades was tied to students being prepared for college, being prepared to be successful in college, being prepared for the college experience. So I think schools, school districts, even methods for grading schools on a national, but U.S. News and World Reports had to deal with how many students are taking AP courses and things of that nature. That's all college preparation. And I think going back to the Votech days, there was probably a, a split that most people perceived, probably pretty accurate, that you had students that were headed in a, a college direction, college track students. And you had other students that were Votech students. And so it was, I think, I think of it as the time of college or career. Today, we live in an era of college and career or career and college. So what do I mean by that? I mean that today, skills like what people call soft skills, but they're really employability skills or professional skills, being able to collaborate, problem solve, uh, send an email and get the idea across that you're trying to get across show up for work on time, things of that nature. Those are habits that whether you're headed to college or not are necessary habits toward being successful. In fact, there was a recent study done by Harvard University where they surveyed CEOs and CEOs across the board. In fact, 82% said that soft skills are more important in terms of their success than any of the technical skills that they could have picked up or that they did pick up along the way. So When's a good time to develop a soft skill? When's a good time to develop the ability to collaborate, problem solve, communicate? Um, I, I, I would say anytime is a, a great opportunity to do that. But in terms of a student's education, those are skills that are within a student's reach in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Now, the problem, Kevin, is that for a significant period of time, 
as this change in career education occurred, students weren't being exposed to career education until ninth grade, and their exposure sounded like this. I'm filling out your schedule. I have these 16 opportunities for you. What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> Not to interrupt you, but that would, I remember taking the, is it the APGAR test? There was some sort of test. Where it was actually like an SAT, and you'd fill it out, and they told me I was going to be a forest ranger. There are all kinds of tests. Um, you know, I, there was a test. I have uh, a son and a daughter, and I remember there was a test, like when they were five minutes old, there was some test to make, they got scored on and where their eyes rolling around or something else. And so, um, so we've been, yes, we've been testing students as to what we think they should be, what they might fit into. But, you know, at the end of the day, those are all just titles to a student. Yeah. If it's meaningless to them, uh, you know, one area that's that's really intriguing is, um, I'll just use it as maybe an example, forensic accounting. You know, most eighth, eighth graders don't know what accounting is. They don't know what forensics is. They have no idea what forensic accounting is, unless maybe they watch the right episode of the right television show that they might, might happen to catch somebody binging or something like that. And so what career exploration in middle school is all about is helping the student develop a position of informed consent when they get to that point where they're choosing what what should I invest my time in as I go through ninth, 10th, and 11th grade and finding out more about, I don't have to get married to it. I just want to date it. I want to get an idea of what I want to, what I want to explore and dabble in. And in order to do that, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade serves as an outstanding petri dish to be able to develop a position on here's the whole universe of occupations and here's where I think I fit and I actually can show up on time. I, these are the things that are important in terms of employability, professional soft skills. And those are the things that you can take anywhere with you anytime. They transfer very well. And they are the key to most people's future career success. So really, I think middle school exploration is about, it's a smorgasbord. It's starting to develop a plan of some type. Uh, different states have defined it differently. Over the past five or six years, there's significant federal funding that has been invested in helping schools, districts, states build these types of programs. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to helping that individual student figure out how and where they fit in, in some way, other than the occupations that have been obvious to them because they've smacked them right in the face over the first 10, 12, 13 years of life. Yeah. So how does this look on the day-to-day -day when it comes to the student and the teacher who's like implementing the, these pieces of curriculum? Is it is a supplemental course? Is it is it baked in the subject matter? Can you, can you walk us through that? Sure. So more and more, it's a standalone course. These are courses that are taught at different cadences. You know, it might be a full year course at one school. It might be two or three days a week, just like music or art or something else might be taught, but it might be taught over a span of two or three years. The teacher experiences everything, Kevin, to what the student experience is like. And I think in most cases, in most cases, I dare say that teachers are learning along with the student because there's no teacher that goes in knowing about every single occupation either. I know as we've built out our program at McGraw-Hill, we've thought every day about what's the experience that the teacher is going through who might be teaching something like this for the first time, what kind of supports do they need? And not, not just in terms of technical information, but in terms of giving them a lot of arrows in their pedagogical quiver 
so that if they have a student that's a high flyer and wants to go deeper into an area like hospitality and tourism, then we want to make sure that the, the teacher doesn't have to sit and write up their own version of a project-based learning experience, for instance. And by the way, project-based learning is an outstanding way to expose students to, to soft skills or employability skills because that, that puts those things into practice right there. But again, yeah. most middle school teachers, they're not in a position where they're experts at this, let alone have the confidence to be able to build those types of, of activities. So for the new teacher, we want to provide anything that they might need so that they feel confident and comfortable when they walk into the classroom every day. For the experienced teacher, we want to broaden that experience. And I, I think we've I think we've managed to find the balance between the two uh, with, with what we've built, at least. Yeah, and to go back a little bit to your emphasis on the idea of soft skills and the the techniques that you need in terms of just communication and group work and empathy, those I'm assuming are part and parcel of that. I mean, just beyond just exploring different verticals. Can you talk a little bit about maybe are there exercises that are involved in that? Talk a little bit about that piece of the curriculum. Sure. So I'm happy to. I'll give two examples. The first we already talked about, and that is project-based learning as a modality. I know that if I say project-based learning and there are 10 teachers in the room, that they're hearing 10 different things and that yeah. I would put it into practice 10 vastly different ways. So yeah, another great acronym. Right? I'm sorry? Uh, another great acronym, right? PBL. PBL. There you go. <laughs> and so um, so we've, we've built out that experience to make it teacher-friendly so that if high-quality Buck Institute, best-in-the-world project-based learning is what they're after, then we've couched it in language that talks about student voice and choice, at very authentic assessment by pulling together a group of experts, things of that nature. But also for the first-year teacher who might not be as invested in PBL, those are folks that, that we've provided supports for too. And, you know, that's an area where it's, in a way, it's not set it and forget it, but it's set it and forget it, but monitor it while it's happening in the classroom. That's where you really see the magic of some of these soft skills uh, take place, you know, even soft skills like negotiation. On a different front, something that if I, I think about that as a soft application of it, we also have a bank of about two thousand over 2,000 uh, assessment questions that can be used as activities. And these are questions that help with soft skills like reading for information, reading charts and graphs. And what they dive into are the authentic application, which again, I don't know how long it would take me as a teacher to develop this, but the authentic application of a soft skill to a, a particular career field. And I'll give you a quick example of what I mean by that, because that was just a bunch of word salad, probably. <laughs> so if I think about the field of STEM, and reading for information or reading charts and graphs. Reading a gauge is a soft skill. Being able to read uh, something that is a chart or a graph like that and take an action or communicate something out, out based on what I see on that gauge. In other words, uh, is this something that I need to make a phone call about or send an email or is everything okay? Uh, on a different front, again, still in STEM, what about notifying people up accurately about a sea turtle related event. And I'm here in Florida, by the way. And so sea turtles are very near and dear to us, but about a sea turtle event that might be going on in two weeks. And how do I take data with regard to that, uh, that communication that I had sent out? So they're STEM related, but I think when we think of STEM related things, sometimes we think of building a robot, shooting a rocket up, things like that. 
And these are STEM related, but associated with soft skills that a student might need in order to be successful in order to do that thing, whatever that thing might be. Yeah. So I hope that helps provide a little bit of color in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you this, in terms of the state of play when it comes to CTE, specifically in middle school, from our conversation, I'm, I'm kind of gleaning that it's still kind of an emerging idea to explore these sort of concepts earlier. Maybe I can ask you to kind of look into your, your crystal ball and what, what your hopes are over the next few years in terms of this being a region of exploration when it comes to bringing CT into the middle school experience. Well, Kevin, my first hope is that someday I'll figure out what I want to do when I grow up. So <laughs> I pinballed around and uh, wasted a lot of time and back in my college days, a lot of money with three different majors, uh, one that I'm three credits short of a degree. You know, those are the old days. Uh, and I'm glad that they're the old days because I would hope that students today get a much more professional, much more streamlined and valuable experience because out of that experience comes a better understanding of their identity, a better understanding of meaning, and a better understanding of how they can contribute. And I, I think more than ever, um, the students that we have coming out of our universities today and coming out of our high schools today are interested in how can I contribute? How can I give back to an effort, to society, to my community? Uh, and so I, I think that's important. What, what I would hope for is I would hope that every student has that opportunity as opposed to being in my position where after decades, they're still bouncing around from thing to thing, finding interesting things uh, and having a great spirit of curiosity about it, but uh, still wishing that maybe in sixth, seventh and eighth grade, somebody had sat down and said, look, we have this course. We're going to run you through it. We're going to help you develop a plan. It's probably not going to be the right plan, but we're going to help you develop a plan anyhow. We're also going to Im impress upon you the importance of building some skills that you're going to be able to take with you for life, not only using your occupation, but even in your professional life. So I, I think the trend is moving, Kevin, in the direction of this being more ubiquitous. We see states either having adopted it, in the middle of adopting it, or just kind of at that beginning of a process where they wanted to see if it was a thing. And now it's continuing to be funded. And not only is it lasting, but we're also seeing areas where there are a couple of very large states that are talking about moving this down to third, fourth, and fifth grade. Okay. So, um, so really looking forward to a future where students are not asking the question that I know I used to ask and my students used to ask, which is, why am I learning this? Why am I studying this? And even though that's something that they have to develop their own individual answers for, we're giving them the tools to be able to do that and making it fun for sixth, seventh, and eighth grade teachers to teach. That sounds like great stuff. Pat, I really appreciate your time and your insights, as I expected, some, some really great new ideas to pursue here. It sounds like an interesting place to be in the, in the world of education, and I look forward to, to following your continued work and McGraw-Hill's work in terms of educating our kids. So thanks very much. Kevin, I have a great team of people I work with every day. I'm obviously very energized and happy to be at McGraw-Hill doing this and working with those people. And on behalf of all of them, thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to hop on and talk about something that's very close to our hearts. Fantastic. Once again, this episode was brought to you by McGraw-Hill, a leading global education company working to expand the possibilities 
of content and technology to help millions of educators, learners, and professionals around the world achieve success. For more information, go to mheducation.com and search for Career Explorations.